praying that the Bible's release to the Gospel of Luke will be sending some time to the next uh, four Sunday afternoons in our family service in the Gospel of Luke. Um, we're turning this, this afternoon to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and the verse 46. We're beginning this little four-week series which we're calling Songs of the First Christmas. Songs of the First Christmas, and today we're going to consider Mary's song, Songs of the First Christmas, and Mary's song, the Gospel of Luke, leads to chapter 1, and the verse 46. This is the word of the Lord, and it reads, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed me strength with his arm, he hath scattered the pride in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put, put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent, sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. Nobody ever announces that the Christmas season has begun. It seems to be that they just change the music playing in the shops and the shopping centres. One minute you're focusing on your shopping, the next minute you're humming along to something profound like jingle bells or it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. We sometimes of course We'll hear the old Christmas carol being played in the shops too, maybe once in Royal David City, or Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Then these incoming weeks, uh, where at some stage maybe we might hit the panic button, uh, and we'll run frantically around the shops, and we'll be trying to sort out all the Christmas presents for friends and for family. Normally that's the men. Each year we go through this frantic period of preparation. There's the decoration and the lights and the Christmas tree needs to be put up and the children are normally off to do their nativity in school and there's this flurry of busyness and then all of a sudden things are back to normal. Normal songs playing in the shopping centres again. And Christmas is all over and it's January again. And over these next Sundays, we're going to consider some songs or carols, if you like, that were sang way back 2,022 years ago throughout the very first Christmas. And we'll consider some of these songs in this series, Songs of the First Christmas. We're going to consider the songs that we read in the Gospel of Luke. And my hope and my prayer is that over these four weeks that it will lead us this Christmas to worship our Saviour, the one who came down that very first Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. It's beautiful that, that God came to be with us. Dr. Luke writes about the life of the Lord Jesus in the Bible, 
And what he does is he punctuates the birth of our Saviour with these several beautiful songs or poems. And this afternoon we're beginning with this, our first one, which is Mary's song. We could argue that this was the first Christmas carol that was ever sung. And I want to just give you a little bit of a background of what was happening in Luke chapter 1. Luke's story of Jesus begins with a, a couple. They were an older couple, maybe in their 60s, 70s, 80s, we're not sure. But they were barren. They had never been able to have children. Their names were Zachariah and Elizabeth. And Zachariah happened to be a priest. And they lived out in the hill country of Judea, perhaps in the vicinity of Jerusalem, in the southern part of Israel. And several weeks a year, it was Zachariah's responsibility to leave his local ministry as a priest and to go to the temple and to serve in the temple. And each of the priests did that at a certain time each year. And on this occasion, on this occasion while he was there, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. Now this was a miracle. Because nobody had seen an angel for over 450 years. God hadn't spoken at all for 400 years. From the book of Malachi to this point, God hadn't spoken. There hadn't been any miracles in over 400 years, and perhaps 500 years since there had been several miracles in a row. So life was pretty common, and pretty routine, and pretty ordinary. There was no intervention by God for centuries until this very moment. And all of a sudden, we have two great miracles happen at once. Zechariah receives the news that his wife Elizabeth, who was old and barren, will have a son, and his name would be John. John the Baptist would be the forerunner before the Messiah arrived, and he would be filled with the Spirit of God, and one of the greatest prophets to ever walk the earth. We don't have time to go into that story, but that was a miracle in itself. Then we move across to the cousin of Zechariah's wife, Mary. She's a lot younger, in fact, she's a teenager. The angel Gabriel made his famous visit to Nazareth to speak to this young girl to tell her she was going to have a virgin birth. And the Holy Ghost would come upon her and she would carry and give birth to the Son of God. So from the outset, we see the background of the natural Mary and Zachariah and Elizabeth meets the supernatural Gabriel, the angel of the Lord. And it was the interweaving of the ordinary with the extraordinary. And it would seem like Luke, who was writing to Theophilus, is trying to teach this young man, Theophilus, who's received the letter, a very important lesson. This is what he was teaching him, that God uses two very humble and ordinary women in an absolutely extraordinary way. You often hear people talking about getting into the spirit of Christmas, or, or whether they feel Christmas, whatever that means. It's a term you'll hear often at this time of year. Do you think Christmas? Where's your Christmas spirit? But what is the spirit of Christmas? Like, well, what do we really mean when we say it? Seems for different people that they'll get different answers to this question. To the young child, it might be the excitement of Christmas morning and opening up their presents. To, to some it might be the pretty lights and our cities being lit up during the Christmas season. To others it might be time spent with family 
on getting tucked into one of the thousands of turkeys that we'll enjoy on Christmas Day. But I think here in God's Word this afternoon, wrapped up in Mary's song, we find what is the spirit of Christmas, the, the original spirit of Christmas, if you like. You see, this song, sometimes we're called it Mary's song, but sometimes you hear it called the Magnificat. That's Latin. And the song is filled with, with joy that magnified the Lord. You see, Magnificat, magnified. It's to do with magnifying the Lord. And as a result of being filled with the Spirit of God that first Christmas and carrying and giving birth to the Savior, Mary springs into singing and she springs into rejoicing. And I want you to notice a number of things in this song. You know, Mary, she's a model believer who heard the Word of God, believed the Word of God with her whole heart, acted upon it no matter what the circumstances might have been, leaving her concerns with God. And she burst forth in praise. I want you to see that we learn from Mary's song that God is mindful of us. Look at the beginning of her song here as she sings in verse 46. She says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. Any worship, any worship should begin by praising God. What reason has Mary to magnify her God? At first Mary speaks in personal terms. Her great joy comes because the Lord has saved her. She belonged to God. Look at why her spirit rejoiced, because God was her Savior. Verse 47, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. You see, Mary goes on in humility. She says this, she says, he has regarded or has been mindful of the lowest state of his handmaiden. Mary says, I am of a low estate. I am but a sinner, but God has been mindful of me. Note that she says her lowest deep, she is lowly and not holy. Did you note what she says? She says she's a sinner. She says I am of low esteem. And some they retort and say, hold on, Peter, read the rest of the verse, because she goes on and she says, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Yes, oh, she's very blessed. She's very blessed because of what God has done, rather than what she has done. She was lowly and not holy. And let me make something very clear. Well, yes, Luke in chapter 1 shows us that Mary was blessed to be mother of the Savior. She is nothing special, not as important as some people would make her. Those people, namely the Roman Catholic Church, will teach you and tell you that Mary is holy, and that's simply not true. She is completely ordinary like you and I. This is key biblical teaching. Mary was a sinner. And we see that Mary herself declares that in these verses. In fact, after the birth of the Lord Jesus, later she actually goes to the temple and brings a sin offering for cleansing because she was a sinner that needed cleansing after the birth of Jesus. The Bible is very clear that we're all sinners, every one of us. Even someone as good and godly as Mary was a sinner who needed a savior. This is key. She was lonely. 
not holy. But God, we learn, was mindful of Mary. God could have found a rich and a noble and a powerful queen to fill her place. But rather he instead went to a lonely teenage girl of no apparent significance. And this is why Mary's soul magnified God, because God chose to use the weak things in this world and the foolish people in this world and the lowly to shame the wise. That's what we read in 1 Corinthians 1. You see, Mary was a girl who knew all about her God. She knew how great and mighty and powerful her God was. She knew how unworthy she was to be carrying the Lord Jesus in pregnancy. And the thought that God would use her in his divine plan caused her to praise him. I magnify my God, we hear her say, because he knows me. He thinks about me. And he loves me. Alistair Begg, when commenting on these verses, said this, I think this is great. I may be very little in the eyes of the world, but I am valuable in the eyes of the one who made the world. Did you get that? I may be very little in the eyes of the world, but I am valuable in the eyes of the one who made the world. I think that's a beautiful quote. Because you see, what we learn from this, from this is we apply it to ourselves that God is mindful of each of us. He's mindful of you. Dear brother and sister this afternoon, you might feel insignificant to those around you. You may feel like nobody cares. You may feel like the world goes by without a single thought of your existence. Well, listen to me. You're valuable to God. That's why the Lord Jesus came, isn't it? To be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Don't forget, dear Christian, he has saved you from hell and from sin. I can tell you even better, God wants you to serve him and be part of his work and be part of his divine plan too. You are important to the Lord. This is the character of God revealed and Mary shows us that she understands this. The greatness of our God is not revealed in his isolation from us. But the greatness of our God is revealed in his intimacy with us. Most of us who listen this afternoon are citizens of the United Kingdom. This means we're subject to King Charles. But I haven't ever had a phone call from him. And King Charles, he doesn't know my name. His greatness is revealed in how isolated he is from me. But God's greatness is revealed in his intimacy with us. God does know my name. And he knows yours. And he knows about and he cares about the responsibilities that weigh heavy on you. The quiet disappointments that gnaw at you. And the concerns that keep you awake at night. God knows. And he knows about your hopes and your aspirations. And the moments that make your heart sing. The creator God is mindful of you. And that gives you value. Whatever the world sees when it looks at you, and however you're treated by those around you, God is mindful of you, and he cares for you. And Mary's joy overflows because of these thoughts that God is mindful of us and cares for us, and she praises God. And you can see her love for the scriptures in her song. 
I want you to note that this list song of a teenage girl contains many quotations and references from the Old Testament scriptures, especially the Psalms and the Song of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1 to 10. Mary hid God's word in her heart. What about you, dear Christian, this night? Do you have God's word in your heart? You know, the things that are in your heart will motivate the words that you speak and how you behave. What do you talk most about? Here was a young woman, a teenage girl, steeped in God's word, and God's word was in her heart. And because she was a godly teenager, now there's teenagers in our meeting this afternoon, I want you to listen to this. Here was a godly teenager, and this teenage girl, she was so steeped in the scriptures, whenever the, whenever the Holy Ghost came upon her, all that came out of her, was the Word of God. It was a great testimony to her own life and her devotion. It's a great testimony to her parents and how they had raised her to love the Word of God and to know it very well. And it's not as if before offering the praise she has to go and get a concordance and read the Bible for a while and then she comes back with her, her range of assorted verses ready to go and just glowed from a better. Incidentally, dear believer, whatever age you are, if you want the Holy Spirit to bring scriptures out of you whenever you need them, it's wise to put them in when you don't need them. The Holy Spirit then will have something to bring out when the attack of the devil comes. It's a simple concept. For example, computers, there's an input and there's an output. The same concept with saving money for the future. You might need the money necessarily now, but you save it for a future rainy day. And here, Mary, she hid God's word in her heart. And when God came and visited her, when she was filled with the Spirit of God, Scripture just flowed out of her. You could see her love for Scripture. God is mindful of us. He was mindful of Mary. He's mindful of you. But there's something else I want you to know very quickly, and this is important. Do you remember God's promises to Abraham around 2,000 years before Mary sang the song? The God to whom she sang had made great promises to the father of Israel, Abraham, and God is mindful of Israel. Back in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 12, he called Abraham out from his people and from his country and from his household, uh, telling him to go to a place that he would show him and there was a promise that God gave and it's found in Genesis 12 verses 2 and 3 and it says that I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then all the way through the Old Testament, the promise is affirmed again and again and again. I am mindful of you. I'm remembering you, Israel. And I will fulfill the promise I have made. And God kept saying to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to God's people, Israel, the Jews, reminding them that God keeps his promises. And Mary realizes the significance of this moment. And she says in verses 54 and 55, he hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. God is mindful of us. The God who is above all things, who is holy, who can do immeasurably more than the asker, and cares for us, who keeps his promises with us, and he has kept his promises with Israel, and he still will. 
God is still mindful of his dream. And God will one day restore them unto himself. The promise was made in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of even one day Christ will sit, and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Aren't you glad that God kept his promise when Christ came and he has still promises yet to be fulfilled? And he will keep those promises too. Just as sure as the Lord came the first time, he is coming again. Hallelujah, Christ will come again. And praise God, he's mindful of his people. And he keeps his promises with his people. God was mindful of Mary. God is mindful of Israel. God is mindful of you. God is mindful of us. But I want you to notice secondly and finally this afternoon that God is mighty over us. In verse 49, we read these words. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength of his arm, he hath scattered the pride in the imagination of their hearts. And there's a recitation of all that God historically has done for his people. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. That is, he has shown to his people strength and power. He has scattered those who are proud and the thoughts of their heart. He doesn't do good things to those to those who reject him. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. And on the other hand, is he, he exalts those who are humble. And he has taken his own who were weak and given them power. And in verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, and he has taken his, he has taken his own who were hungry, and who needed to be fed, he's met their need. You know, that too comes out of Psalm 107, yet more scriptures that Mary was quoting. And on the other hand, he sent the rich empty hand. Mary says he's given great help to Israel, his servants. That's her cause of worship. Salvation personally. Salvation of generation after generation after generation. And the faithfulness of God to meet every need of his own beloved people. You might be listening and think to yourself, oh my God. Why would God scatter self-reliant people and send rich people away empty? What kind of gracious God is that? Well, God only removes people from these things. So they'll be taken away from their private assumptions that they can get through this life without the Lord. While life is good and successful and comfortable, it's easy to think that we no longer need the Lord. The fact that we can just buy all we need. And it's a tragedy. And it's tragically easy to forget that our bodies aren't going to last forever. And that beyond our death, we will meet the one who is eternal. When life is good, it's easy to kid ourselves that we are mightier than we truly are and we forget that we need a God who is mightier than we and God is mighty over us and we're in great need of his power every day in our lives. <coughs> and let me tell you, God has shown his might over many generations and continues to do so until he comes again and then one day he will, his might will show for all eternity. But those who humble themselves before him, he will let them. And when we admit that we don't have it all together, 
that, that we do have struggles that we need help with. That's when God can intervene and help you through tough times. So what does this song of the first Christmas teach us? What, what does Mary's song teach us? It reminds us that God is mindful of you, that you are valuable to Him, and that we have an all-powerful mighty God. Mary might well have answered uh, the question, what do you think when you think about God? Mary might well have answered that question, God's mindful of me, he's mighty over me. And the truth that God was all caring and all powerful made her heart rejoice. And it's a truth that makes many hearts still rejoice today. 2022 years later, truly dear child of God, our souls should cry today, my soul doth magnify the Lord.